Alrighty, here we go. Episode 132 of the Night Shift Football Podcast is here. And we've got goals galore to talk about this week. Chelsea put four, that's right, four past City. Everton, Palace, West Ham, Forest play out five goal crackers. Arsenal and Liverpool score three at home while poor old Ange tops a late blow at the Molyneux. Okay, another week. Let's do it. Tommy's here with me. He's uh, back from the dead. How you doing, man? The dead? Yeah, I'm all right. It was just one of those... last week. Harvey Elliott styles. I could have died. Someone tried to kick a ball directly into my head. Um, No, I'm all right. Mm. Like, I'm fine. I'm feeling better. Fergie hates that stuff. Uh, Cooper's here also. How you doing, man? Yeah, good. Another week. Tom's back from his Melbourne Cup sickie, so we won't have to carry as much of the load. Melbourne Cup sickie. Are you saying that I contribute? Don't tell his boss. Uh, we don't want to hear it. Um, I would like him to answer some questions, though. Mm. I'd like him to. I'd like you to tell me why I'm looking at our fantasy team and there's four players with red triangles next to their names. Admittedly, three of them are Spurs players. But um, mm. what are you? What's your plans? What are you going to do about that this week? Because it's a disaster. In the in the spirit of how I was feeling last week, I thought we'd just let it roll. But I was sat, and this is maybe more red edition chat. I was sat up in the in the top tier with Todd. And I was like, oh, who should I get, man? I can't understand what to do. And I went to go make a transfer and it was trying to deduct points from me already. And I was like, mm. oh, he's like, just play your wild card, dude. I was like, oh, I can't be fucked. It's going to take too long. I'm not here for this. Uh, yep. So yeah, it's wild card week, Sammy. Yeah, good. I'm glad to hear it. Wild card. I want Mo back. I you want, want Mo back. Salah back in the team. Um, oh, we, we had him all last season, season and he was great. Yeah. Tom, Tom thought he was Ange and he just tried to, tried to play a high line with nine on the weekend and it didn't work. So we're going to refresh yeah. this weekend. Well, I'm glad he uh, changed the captain back to Harlan and not not He-Chan because that's just, you just can't be having that. Um, it's differential potential, bro. You wouldn't understand. Yeah, sure. On Mo Salah, uh, the leader still at the top of fantasy, James Davies. Chicken Tikka Masala. That's my favorite name in the company. He's still winning. I hope he wins it. He's, he's, the gap's closed a little down to 20 points. Um, Highest score this week. Adam Leach got 91. Deflexia United. Uh, sorry, Deflexia untied. Um, he got in touch with me today. Irony. He's, he's sad and annoyed that um, twice he's now got the highest game week score, but he's still 100 points off the leader. So I haven't looked at his team. I don't know who he's got, but... Um, Cooper, you got it there. Do you have the teams there? I want to know who he's got now. I That's very reminiscent of uh, Man United's form this season. They just continually dish up wins, but they're still nowhere near winning. Yeah, he is a Man United he, fan. He, yeah, he's got uh, Harlan, go. Harland, Watkins, Decore, Jensen, Sulla as captain, Bowen, Bruno, Saliba, Concert, Anderson, and Leno. Yeah, it's a decent the, game week, 91. Yeah, it sounds pretty wank on paper, though. Yeah, it's the it's the Decore eleven and the Saliba nine that's carried in this week. It's his, his little differential mm. score. Decore eleven, you can't be counting on that every week, Leachy. So maybe change it up. Don't take our advice though. We have four injured players in our team. Uh, let's talk some Premier League. There's plenty happening this week. I don't think we're going to touch on any other leagues because uh, we're heading into an international break and there was plenty of goals in in England. So we'll start with the the first one of the weekend: Wolves two, Spurs one. Poor old Ange, uh, an early goal and then not much for about 90 minutes and Wolves Wolves pinch it. Tommy? Did they pinch it or were they the better team? I think Cooper said this. Well, pre- they can um, be the better team and still pinch the win at the end. I think they pinched it in terms of getting the goals in order to get the win. But I think for the vast majority of this game, Tottenham couldn't handle Wolves in a sense that they're not your typical bottom 10 team that kind of set up low block, play some bullshit football, you know, time-wasting, all that crap. Yeah, They've got a really good manager, um, like an unfashionable manager, but one that I think is still, you know, is still going to do really good things with these lower lower half teams. And, you know, who knows what happens with Newcastle. He could be the next guy in charge. Uh, he's, you know, he's got better players than he's got than he had at Bournemouth. And I think he's finally utilising um, that kind of prospect that he's got. And they've knocked off all sorts of sides at the Molyneux this season. And they deserve every bit of credit for this win as opposed to just nicking it at the end, I think. Yeah, interesting take. Um, 
it's a lot of credit to Wolves. I think they were competitive in this game. I'm not necessarily sure they dominated Spurs. Um, they were just better going forward, and I think it showed the the weaknesses that Spurs had in their attack. You know, prior to to this season, because it was you know Brennan Johnson has come in for Richarlison, and he's fresh back off an injury. He got a goal early, but he didn't create too much. Kulusevski's a, a great winger, and he was excellent for the first goal as well, but again, lacks a bit of pace. And when you're playing Son through the middle and you haven't got your regular guys out on the wing and, and your midfield is is weakening by the week. And, and I mean, this back line is, for Spurs supporters, this has to be PTSD, this ben, oh, Davies, ben Davies, Eric Dyer, Emerson, Royale and Pedro Porro. They have conceded some goals with that back four in the past. So so I'm not necessarily sure there's a world of surprise with it. Um but yeah, I'm I'm with Sam. I mean, they held on for ninety minutes of of ninety eight, and unfortunately, it wasn't enough. And that Sarabia goal that that breaks the deadlock is is a very good goal. And on another day, it doesn't go in, and Spurs just hold on. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I thought they created the better chances if they had um, a more you know fluid attacking line. Um, they probably do score more goals, and it maybe doesn't take uh, the magic, you know, the touch, of the volley in order to um, get the equalizer, but. Uh- for me, it's just that, like the Tottenham are fucked with injuries. Of course they are. And like, can that be an excuse? Probably. Yeah, well, five five changes from the team that played Spurs just five days prior. Um, like I Chelsea? Remember, yeah, uh, last week I... I asked you guys all the week before one or the other if this was if Spurs were being almost insulted by the FA with their fixture for not being in a European competition because there's been a couple of times now where they've played the last game of a game week and then the first game of the following game week because they're a team that aren't playing European football during that week and I'm not sure whether that's why the fixture's been been modelled like it has or if they've just been unlucky but you know a five day break for the guys that did play and and five changes forced by you know either suspension or in- injuries they've and has been real set on a back four this season and he he came out week one and he had his back four and people questioned you know van der ven and romero is going to take time to gel but it's been really good and and your doggy's been excellent too but to lose all three of them in in one week it was always going to be difficult for tottenham yeah, it's crazy because Dyer is such an obvious downgrade for an Ange-style team. Eric Dyer stinks. I've always said it. Um, how about Wolves? Uh, nothing. Nothing on their sheet until the 91st minute when Sarabia scores. And then uh, they have no cautions on the field. And then between the 95th and 99th minute, they finish with uh, four go- four yellow cards and another goal. So <laughs> all happened late. Nothing really happening in the middle, like we said. Um Arsenal beat Burnley 3-1, a pretty regulation one here. It looked like it was tough for a little bit, but then they did enough to get over the line. Um, I just had a quick note here. I was just kind of reiterating what I said last week. I'm not. I'm still not convinced that David Rea is is better than anyone else, and I'm still frustrated that uh, Gabby Jesus is not taking part. Um, Burnley maybe could have got something out of that but just couldn't in the end. Arsenal, just a little too much quality still. Um, Palace Everton was a good one. Five goals in this game. Um, Everton on a nice little roll now after beating West Ham and now going away to Palace. Um, these are some big points they're getting that are getting them off the off the floor, Tommy. Yep. Uh, they've all of a sudden kind of mangled together a midfield three that actually look dangerous uh, in transition moments. And... Uh, defensively very sound, like it's very Daesh midfield, uh, Inanna and uh, Ghana. I love it when they rhyme. It's like Ghana's such a great prospect. He's looked like mm. a really good footballer so far. Um, but it's definitely been the reintroduction of uh, Dom Calvert-Lewin because they've got someone that they can just ping long balls to in dangerous situations. And, you know, he makes he makes a lot of bread out of shitty dough, I think. I'm a big fan of this Abdullah Decore. DCL partnership for Everton I think in obviously I'm not saying it's world beating but in terms for for Everton and what they need to do in games I think a lot of time in the past they've had such a reliance on on getting the ball long to DCL and having him hold it up with absolutely no support and and having Decore as that slightly deeper second striker just means that every time they do go long and every time DCL does win the ball he's always got that instant support there and I think it's making a major difference for them yep 100% and um, Jackie Harrison is just sublime isn't he the only turncoat loan bastard that I would have back 
that cross for Mikolenko's opener is, is just delicious to be able to put one like that uh, just out of reach of the goalkeeper on the six-yard box uh, within the first minute of the game. Like, it's his first touch, essentially. He's hit it first time. It's just gorgeous. The winner to uh, Drissa Gay, 86-minute. Nice goal. Nice little ball through. Um, what are we... Are we calling um, 86-minute goals late winners anymore, given that there's minutes and minutes and minutes of extra time? How dramatic is an 86-minute goal? Do you know how many minutes were added on in this? Because, like... In my mind, no, nah, it's not really late, is it? Uh, you can like almost have seven or eight. There was, yeah. In my mind, there's always six now. There's always six minutes, or at least about there. Yeah. So no, that's that's not really a late goal. It gives, it gives the opposition heaps a chance to come it's back late. into the game. It's late-ish, but you know, it just um, you get that real boost when you you're when you're watching a game and you're hitting the panic button a bit. Maybe if your team hasn't scored and you're it's the 80th minute and you think 10 to go, there's about 20 to go. Most games mm. now, it's Both it's crazy. Things. I like that's that ridiculous. they're doing it, but I'm sure there could be a better way. Um, do you want to stop anything the else on this game, either of you? Before I move, I on. just I just wanted to shout out uh, Eze. He's so ridiculously good to watch. He is, yeah. Um, and he, I like that he stayed at Palace because he gives me the vibe that if he went to a bigger side, inverted commas, that he maybe wouldn't have the space and freedom to be able to do what he does best, and that is mm. pick the ball up in between the lines and just. You know, the Palace players seem to just fold around him and take players with them to create the spaces for him to run into. And there were a few moments in this where his his runs and his feet were just unreal. Um, that's the good side of Eze. The bad side is he is a prolific diver and he has to cut that shit out because otherwise I'm not going to want to watch him anymore. Yeah, the second yeah. one was quite poor. Um, I thought both of them were bad. Just a quick note, um, Joachim Anderson, back-to-back-to-back man-of-the-match performances for Crystal Palace now. He is so important to this team. You can have all the X-Factor attackers you want, but without him, they're a much worse side. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's such a shame I brought him in to uh, FPL this week. Nearly a third of the way through the season now, and I think that bottom half um, in particular is really starting to take a bit of shape with the last few weeks, those Everton wins dragging them right up there. Them and Palace hit 13 and 14 now. Um, and with the 14 points Everton has, it probably feels like they're a world ahead of relegation now, given that Luton are on six, Sheffield mm. five, and Burnley find themselves bottom now on four. Um, mm. So, yeah, really starting to kind of break away just a little. And it's starting... Point deduction impending, though. Point deduction impending, but I think uh, they could be filthy if it happened, given uh, Man City and AC Milan's FFP breaches in recent years. Um my other note on Everton, I just want to, I'm still waiting to see something from uh, Beto. They're signing from Udinese. He scored ten goals last season for Udinese. He's um he's just a big, tall Brazilian striker. Um, perhaps going to a Sean Dyche team, not most suitable. He played Udinese in the Italian league, probably similar similar areas in the table to Everton. But I think in that league, you generally don't see teams just sit and try to hold when they get the ball. They're still going to try and play. So that's suited yeah. him. I don't know if maybe if Everton are going to look to try and play a bit more now that they've got some confidence getting some results. Um, yeah, I'd like to see I'd like to see how Beto goes. He's 25. He's probably not going to set the world on fire now, but an interesting move for him into the Premier League. Just a side note. Um, that's fair. Is he big, big hulking ball of mass? You said he's tall. He sounds like he would suit. Sounds, sounds like he'd suit Dice down to the ground. I would have thought. Yeah. Um, He's six four and he can he can play with his feet too, but obviously a, a big mover in the air, big boy. <laughs> we don't need that shit at Everton. We don't yeah. want that foot skills. You don't need to kick it. Just wait till we lump it in the air to you. Um May United beat Luton 1-0. I don't know if we can really add much. We've talked plenty Boring. about United the last couple of weeks. Uh you mentioned off air just before we started recording that they probably are the Unfortunately, they are the form team. It sounds stupid to say that they're the form team, but if you're looking at purely points being gathered, Cooper's shaking his head here because he just wants to soot because he's... What's what's the matter, mate? Ring I the just, uh, I just don't see it. Like, What don't you uh, see? Were you listening to the words I said? Uh, <laughs> the I, points I that they've amassed? Like, do we <laughs> the just, points they've amassed. Are we, when we say form team of the comp, I think it's very generous. I think... They're doing what they need to do to get results, but their form is still bang average. And when they come up against a good side, we're going to see that. Well, this is it. The one goal wins against Luton, Fulham, uh, Sheffield United, Brentford, 
they've somehow lost to Crystal Palace. They beat Burnley 1-0. It just it doesn't I know exactly what you're saying. They have you know amassed more points than any other team in the last five games, but when you look at it, they're still dreadful. They're so they, bad to watch. They have an international break coming up this weekend. And when they come back from the international break, they go away to Goodison Park and play Everton. And I'm not convinced that they are a certainty to even take a point from that game. Oh, we put Everton a draw in the multis, are we? Jeez, guys, if you thought Tom and I were bad for hate on United, we've just, <laughs> Cooper is just hook, line, and sinker every time. He just. The head was going back and forth. I thought his neck was going to dislocate. He was that furious with what I was saying. Um, Bournemouth 2, Newcastle nil. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, Newcastle. Oh, boy. Double loss to Dortmund in the Champions League. And now this, losing away to Bournemouth. Kieran Trippier says you've got injuries, so that's an excuse. But is it, Cooper? No. Uh, You and I disagreed about this when we spoke about it. I didn't disagree. Well, I just misread it. Uh, explain, go on. No, well, you you <laughs> said to me this afternoon that I'm on the wrong side here. You're we'll clear this up. The, the so, leave, you're on the leave Trippier alone just, side. You, you so might we just have, have to the, read the chat. <laughs> we have the video. We have a video of Kieran Trippier on the sideline with the New, Newcastle crowd having a go. And he said, everyone's having a go. You know, all the players gave their all. Just didn't work out. wasn't their day. And then he perhaps foolishly blurts out and he says, how many injuries we got? How many injuries we got? To which you said, oh, what about Spurs injuries, you dickhead? And I was like, well, Spurs injuries aren't Kieran Trippier's problem, are they? Um, he's probably wrong, and you probably shouldn't blame injuries. But he's just blurted it out, and I want you to leave Kieran Trippier alone because he's a gun. And I think fans who act like that sometimes need to grow up. Like, at the end of the day, you're still Newcastle, and you are not, uh, like, Premier League winning side. Like, you know, we see fans from, like, PSG and... Man City and all these clubs get upset when they lose games. They should win every game too on paper, but they don't. You're going to lose games of football when Newcastle fans are losing over this loss. Mm, it's not Ajax levels where you're getting games postponed because your side's in the bottom three. No. This is what this is what I'm not seeing. Is, is Kieran Trippier not just having a cry of a fuck all here? Why is he... Like, he's obviously gone over to, to do what players do and, and clap the away support, and someone's yelled out about fucking embarrassment you're fucking shit and and he's clapped back just clap your hands turn around and walk away because yeah, he could like you've said okay leave them mm. alone leave them alone interesting but but these supporters you know i've seen the two of you at high marsh fuck i saw tom nearly jump on the pitch and bash 11 blokes at high marsh on the weekend at <laughs> half time and then tell me shake my hand and say fuck this i'm going home fuck this embarrassing i'm going home you know like it's it's how you get when you pay money to go and watch watch these footballers play, and these people have not just that's fifteen minutes up there on the free bus, free Adelaide Metro for Tom. You know these people have travelled across the country to Bournemouth, and watched a good team in Newcastle. We have to go to a point now where we say these guys are in the Champions League, they have all this money behind them, their lineup absolutely on paper is still better than this Bournemouth side. If I'm in the crowd and I'm saying, embarrassing, shameful, because I've paid money to go across the country and watch them because it's 2-0, and you clap back at me telling me that you've got injuries and that's an excuse to lose to Bournemouth when you've got all this Saudi cash and you're in the Champions League, you can get fucked. You're weak as piss. I like it. I'll, I'll, I'll address what you said on the Red Edition, which is a nice little plug for that because there was a few, there's a few things that I'd like to pick up from that. But... I, I like wholeheartedly agree with you that uh, two losses in a week, hugely underwhelming from this side. But on the other hand, they do have a lot of injuries. They've got like 10 players out. And when you rattle them off, a lot of them are first team players. Um, but if we're going to let Spurs talk- off the hook against Wolves, we've got to let Newcastle mm. off the hook in a game against Bournemouth. Against Bournemouth. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not also we're not at the we- point now where they should be winning every week anyway. Like that, you know, I think well, the clearly, expectation yeah. needs to be maybe reined in just a little from Newcastle fans there. I'm not, I get I'm the not... anger. I get you get angry and you explode and shit like that. But um, I'd, I'd imagine Trippy has probably been triggered by a comment along the lines of something to do with the effort being put up. And that's why he started replying back about everyone giving their all. Because I don't think most professionals aren't going out there and, you know, doing fuck all. Like, you know, they're, well, they're putting in the effort. I know it looks like they're not sometimes, but yeah. Oh, you know what, Kieran? Maybe tell your backroom staff not to spend 70 mil on a gambling addict, man. <laughs> oh, shit. You really just hate Kieran Trippier, don't you? You I hate do. him. Flat, track, no bully. 
Yep, that doesn't I'm even on make the train, sense. man. I brought him. I thought he was a flat track bully, so I brought flat him into bully the who won, team this week. Who won La Liga with Atletico in a league against Real Madrid and Barca? He's a flat track bully. Sure, makes sense. <clears throat> makes sense, Cooper. Good, good chat. I, I kind what's of what's Mo Salah he... then? He's um sorry. What's Atletico Mo Salah then? Atletico aren't in the Premier League. What's what's so Mo Salah I... then? Atletico aren't in the Premier League. Oh, what's so what's, what's Mo Salah? Is Mo Salah a flat track bully? A Premier League winner, a Champions Just... League winner. Um... I'd say it's harder for Atleti to win La Liga than it would be uh, for Newcastle to win the Prem. Yeah. Oh, probably. Yeah. I reckon. Disagree. Um, I kind of, I I kind of yeah, like... Yeah, but I, I was confused there for a second, but I disagree with you. Oh, you disagree? Oh. Yeah. They're, they're often the third best team in Spain. You just got to get past Real and Barca, but, you know... Yeah, but how often does that happen? Newcastle got to get past lots of teams in front of them. At the moment, yeah, but they're the most well endowed, most well endowed team in the league. Um, I kind of like that he addressed the fans. I okay. don't see, I don't see why that would be an issue. Um, if he wants to clap back about things, why not? Like, yeah, he's probably got it wrong, blaming injuries and stuff. I don't think there's any problem with him defending his players and saying we all had a crack. Everyone was having a mm. go. Do either of you have anything on the actual football from this game? Because uh, Dom Solanke's been in some form. Um, mm. Yeah, I think I think this is possibly where the frustration stems from. Is Newcastle didn't just lose this game; they were dominated. They were convincingly beaten, like pretty well evenly split on the ball. And we're talking double plus the a, shots, plus eleven shots, and twice as many shots on target in this game. Bournemouth were Bournemouth made Newcastle look like the Newcastle of old, and and I think potentially that hurt hit way too close to home for a lot of Newcastle supporters. Yeah. No, that's totally fair. You could you can kind of see that there's a lot of guys in this Newcastle team that aren't quite match fit. And in the last half an hour, it makes a lot of sense that Bournemouth really started to cook and got those couple of goals. Um, because, you know, Eddie Howe hasn't really rotated this side that much. And maybe that's a contributing factor to why there are so many injuries at the moment. Um, but they looked disjointed and they looked a little bit of a mess. And, you know, despite all of the cash they've splurged, this starting 11 is uh, it's a little bit bullshit. And if it wasn't for Nick Pope, they could have got absolutely buried in this. Well, I think from a, from a genuine football perspective, if the trip, if Trippier didn't go over to those supporters and that video didn't exist and, and we went on to this game on this podcast tonight just talking about a, a Bournemouth 2 Newcastle nil, I genuinely football perspective-wise would have let them off the hook because this is exactly what we were talking about literally only a week ago now or two weeks ago, last time Tom was on the pod, um, that we'd been harsh on Sean Longstaff because he'd come in and he'd been not just decent and serviceable, he'd been excellent when he played. But the concern was now that Longstaff is in that starting team, if things do go wrong and they do get a couple of injuries, that depth that was already not great is even worse. And, and now you're seeing that. I wholeheartedly agree. Um Villa beat Fulham 3-1 and they're pretty even on the stat count, but except for the the goals, which Villa found themselves 3-0 up. Perhaps just that extra bit of quality in that Villa squad was what was the difference there. Uh, three goals to the good before Jimenez pulled one back for Fulham. Job done for Villa, three points alone that they Did you... needed and probably should be getting in this game. Yeah, so, exactly. Did you, I just I, I saw something funny during the week. Did you see the the left back for Fulham, um, uh, Anthony Robinson, uh, Robinson, who scored... An unfortunate own goal. I mean, they're all mainly unfortunate, are they? Um, there was a lot of hate for him online, and he was just lovingly retweeting and liking everything and just making sure that all of the vile <laughs> comments being passed about him were visible for everyone to see. And I kind of like that. I think that's a good way to combat it. Mm, there's going to, Cooper's probably sitting there, oh, she doesn't care. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> my, my moment for this game and, and the thing that stood out to me was the, they might have been, you know, out of this game at the time and, and three three nil and then three one down, but the relief on, on Raul Jimenez's face to see the ball hit the back of the net. Um, first Premier League goal since March of twenty twenty two for him and and it's been a tough three or four years for for Raul, so it's it's nice to see him get one on on the score sheet. Wow, Matty Ryan uh, and Harry Suda has played him back into form. That'll do. Brighton won, Sheffield won, uh nothing here. Never. Um, I'm not watching him this season. I refuse. You refuse to watch him, but Cooper said he had something on Brighton Sheffield. Yeah, just Brighton have been 
a little bit underwhelming the last few weeks. Um, and this lineup felt like I know they've been playing Europe and they've got to rotate the squad, but this lineup felt like they came into this game thinking that they were just simply going to win. Um, a front a bit three, of disrespect. A front three of um, Adingra Lalana and Ansu Fati with Matoma on the bench and Jao Pedro on the bench, and they were one 0 up and seemingly in cruise control before the Mahmoud Dahoud red card. Um, and by the time that they conceded the own goal and brought the subs on, it was it was too late for them, and and potentially that's a a learning curve for Brighton about how to manage their squad with with European football. Is in the Premier League, you can't necessarily play what is a weak a weak lineup. You need to rotate those players better and make sure that perhaps one of Jao Pedro or Matoma is still on the park. Yeah, fair. Well, what do you think of Ansu Fadi quickly? Because I thought he was. Excellent from what I saw midweek against Ajax. And that's a big win for them, despite Ajax's form. They are, I think Deserby was calling it the best win in Brunt's history or something. And so they were obviously very stoked to get that victory. I thought Fatty was excellent in that game, but he hasn't really turned up in the Prem yet. And, you know, it's hasn't started too many games. He gets the opportunity here and didn't really take it with both hands. Yeah, um. Playing in a weaker lineup, though, I mean, five midfielders in this game for Brighton in Dahoud, Gilmore, Lalana, Adengra, and Bonanote, who are not regular starters for Brighton. So this, this is what I'm saying, is they've weakened this team to the point that they don't even have a regular starting midfielder starting in this lineup. Yeah. It's five yeah. guys who are consistently on the bench and haven't played enough football all coming in at the same time and being expected to perform. And I think that that hampers Ansu Fati in, in this situation. He's the guy that has been playing football, but he also cannot do it all by himself. Um, that's where he needs one or two more guys to to help him out. And I think he's been good for Brighton. And again, you just have to let him grow into it a little bit. I know we expect instant results when a player comes from, from the background that he has and he's come across to a team like Brighton. We all see Brighton as, you know, a smaller side in the Premier League as such, but He's gonna need a little bit of time. Give him, give him three or four more games. Once he's played ten, he might might start regularly finding the score score sheet for them. Yep. And Pascal Gross at right back is very funny to me. Oh, so interesting for it's a guy just... that we've a guy that we've seen playing midfield and as a false nine, just randomly wearing the armband at, at right back. When when the team yep. got listed on the Premier League up before the game, they actually had him on the right wing, just expecting him to play forward of the ball, and eventually had to move him once they'd started the game. <laughs> It's like no Milner, so the oldest guy in the team has to play right back. Is that what the Brighton Steez is? Liverpool three, Brentford nil at Anfield. Um, Wataru Endo got a start in midfield. Uh, Simicast came in at left back, uh, the man who cried in a Community Shield game. Um, Salah got you a remember double. him for? Salah got a double. <laughs> Zota got one. Simicast got himself a couple of assists. Um Interesting game of football. Uh, Liverpool fairly fairly comfortable here and in control, Cooper. Yeah, um, seem to have a way of looking for a long time in games like they're not going to put teams away. And Brian Embuemo mm. had a chance in this one that he's probably going to want back. And Liverpool could have quite easily found themselves a goal down to a to a team they should be comfortably beating at home again. Um, luckily they didn't, and this was pretty easy for them in the end. But they need to shore things up a little bit and, and work on putting these these bad teams away early at home so they mm. they can sit off a little bit and and give themselves that in-game rest and rotation for all the games that they have coming up. We know how stacked the European calendar and the Premier League calendar eventually gets. So they, they need to work this out because they are not going to compete for a Premier League title if they keep failing to put these smaller sides away early. Mm. What I thought was and yet they, they seem to be putting these sides away early. Yeah, they do. Um, what I thought was interesting is looking at this lineup. Like, um, I think I alluded to it a bit last week, and I think talking to you off air, Cooper, I was, I'm a big fan of this Liverpool squad and watching them. It's just a really fun list of players. So much so, I started a Liverpool save on the new FIFA, not EA, the EA, not FIFA, was it EA FC 23? Yeah, FC 24. Started a save, and then I five games in, Jota broke his toe and is out for three months. So I cracked the shits and haven't touched it since. But um, this is this is growth for you, Sammy, to be on board for Liverpool. Yeah, well, I just appreciate good players and I, I love watching this team. Um, what I find fascinating is on the weekend, they've gone in with essentially one uh, midfielder that you can rely on being in the midfield. And that was 
Watari Endo, because um, Oppersly, uh, he's not that he's not a midfielder, but he's very box to box. He's going to work his ass off end to end. Um, and then you've got Gakpo, Salah, Nunes, Jota uh, with him. I guess if you're Trent pops into that midfield role a little bit, but you're still, he's a very attacking player. Simicast is pretty attacking and you're just left with Matip, Van Dijk and Endo to hold the fort. That's just, to me, is just the confidence Klopp will play with, with his teams when he's got them ticking along. And I think, Cooper's maybe showing a little bit of that uh, that pessimism that you get about your own teams. I always get it with Arsenal, and I think Cooper's maybe got it a bit with Liverpool here. I still think they're the team that are going to push City all the way. Yeah, um, I think that this is potentially we're seeing what is a, a planned trial here. Um, it seemed to look like the McAllister suspension caused this change to the midfield, but there has been a little bit of media talk that potentially Endo starting this game was something that was pre-planned and McAllister was going to play in that Gakpo role. Um, it potentially is the Klopp fix for not being able to to bury these these average sides early is in the games against the smaller teams, we might see Watara Endo playing more football and starting games. So Sobeschlei and McAllister can get forward in this Liverpool midfield and they can score the the two or three goals with the overload mm. and attack that they should be scoring against these teams in first halves of football at Anfield. And and then perhaps in the games against against the better teams, we'll see that midfield again with the McAllister in the six where he sits off a little bit deeper and just plays the ball from deeper areas with Trent with him and, and the Dom box to box. Mm. I couldn't be yeah. up too well, but it was like Gakpo playing the in-behind role. Yeah, so as a 10. Behind, in, because in, as like it, this often happens with these Klopp teams and it was the same when he was at Dortmund is aside from Lewandowski up front, you couldn't really pick. Everyone else was very fluid in where they play and would rotate around and just wherever you ended up. I guess that person in this team is Salah. He's always going to be on the right there, uh, but even he likes coming in a bit. And then, because there was often times Nunez was getting on the ball, making runs down the left with Jota inside him. Other times he was central and Jota was picking it up wide. Uh, Gakpo peeling out and Jota or Nunez dropping into that hole to get on it. It's just a, a real... Um, a real fun attacking mix of players that can all, they're all very versatile and can do so many different roles. Yeah. I think that's why you, sorry, Tommy. I think that's why you see Jota in this lineup on the left instead of Luis Diaz, because Luis Diaz is another one of those Mohamed Salah types where he's going to stick to that left wing. And if he's out there, then you don't have that three or four player rotation. So we see Jota start. So the three of them can rotate. Yeah. You can just see that they're so superbly coached and like what Cooper alluded to the ability to have, uh, a plan A and like a really effective plan B that he's trying to get going now. And if you can go, if you can beat Brentford by three goals and not really be troubled that much throughout the game, the Embuemo chance aside, uh, like you are constructing a Premier League winning team here where you are potentially going deep into every other competition you're in. And it just, it seems to have all clicked together this season. The, you know, the off-season signings have been brilliant. And you can see now that they do have the fluidity that they need in order to compete on all fronts. Um, there's a couple of interesting stats in this game. Liverpool have won all nine of their home games in all comps this season, all by a margin of two or more goals, uh, which I think mm. really shows just how dominant they are uh, when you can get them in front of an Anfield crowd. And also that's what you should do. Like you're playing at home. You should be fucking dishing up good results. But the other one that I thought was really funny was all seven of Darwin, Nune- uh, Darwin Nunez's Premier League assists for Liverpool have come for no Salah this season. Yeah. Man's lit. One season wonder. <laughs> um, while we're on has Liverpool, he, has I, he wondered at all? While we're on Liverpool, I just wanted to have a little. Uh, I don't know if maybe this is just me and my perception. Is is Diogo Jota still underrated by the football world? You know, if he can find himself in the lineup, being pushed out sometimes by Luis Diaz. This guy's got nearly seventy. He's getting. He's closing in on seventy Premier League goals now. He came in. Um, you know as a, a star winger for Wolves and popped into a Liverpool team as a false nine, taking the spot of Roberto Firmino, who was so highly rated by everyone despite his lack of goals. Um, and he's still only 26 years of age. He's a hugely loved player from a Liverpool fan base perspective. I can't speak from obviously looking in from the outside. Obviously the two of you can as to, the to- I suppose there's not a lot of media love around Diogo Jota, but when you're in a front three with with Darwin Nunez, who's always in the news, whether for, for good or bad, Mo Salah, who has just consistently been phenomenal for, for four seasons or plus now, 
it's it's obviously hard to find that that limelight at times, but he's such a different player to Bobby in the sense of that he doesn't necessarily have the flair and he doesn't necessarily, you know, use his skills the way that Bobby did. And, and potentially that's why we're not seeing Twitter compilations of Diogo Jota like we did with Bobby Firmino. But he's an absolute workhorse and he scores ridiculous amounts of goals. I even myself at times forget how often this guy scores. It's not often he starts a game for Liverpool and doesn't score a goal. Um, considering he only came in, what, two seasons ago now, 40 million seems an absolute steal. Mm. It's kind of rude that, like, I saw there was a Manuel uh, Neuer compilation of saves during the week, and we don't have one for Diego Jota, which is, I think he's brilliant. I think he's fantastic. And he was out a lot of last season or the previous season when Liverpool were going through a, a massive trench of results, and then he came back in and, bang, they started to click again. He is um, hugely underrated. Yeah, he he found himself outside a little bit last season, but the season yeah. season before that, I think, was when they got him in and just lit it up. But he just, from an opposition perspective, he terrifies me as much, if not more, than Salah. Because at least you know you know what you're going to get with Salah. You know he's wild, ad, but you know where he's dicked. You know where he's going to be, and you know that you just you just hoping your left back has a great day on him. But with Jota, you're relying on so many others to help out with him because he's just all over the place, all over the field. Um, got so many, so many tricks up his sleeve. Um, West Ham three, Nottingham Forest two, another five goal game. Um, a late, I'm using the quote marks, late because we're not sure if we're counting 88th <laughs> minute goals as late these days. But Thomas Suchek pops up to get the win from a Ward Prowse corner, and. Uh, I guess maybe some points dropped there for Forrest. They would have liked to have held on there away to West Ham. Definitely. Yep. They would have uh, been bitterly disappointed not to get a point out of this. Um, Not so much, you know, performance wise. I think maybe West Ham did edge it in that Mm -hmm. sense. Um, But yeah, you know, to be presented with 2-2 going into stoppage time, you would think, oh God, come on, just hang on. We need these points. Uh, Ward Prowse is a a cheat code, isn't he? Uh, I've read... After this game, he's got 17 assists from dead ball situations since 2021, which is seven more than the next guy. What a freak. Like, yeah. I don't, you know, I think there's been questions asked whether or not he is apt enough as like a midfielder. Like, can he actually play football properly? But that's such huge disrespect to the guy because he is a perfectly good midfielder. And then you add in the quality that he has over a set piece. And I just, it make, it makes no sense to me that, the again bigger sides quotation marks we're not clambering over him and getting him into their side. This is supposed to be in in no means a disrespect to James Ward Prowse, but I believe that the way he is fits the dog shit style of football that West Ham are playing. Because, Sounds like disrespect because he is what he is. That's pretty disrespectful, he, man. Well, what? <laughs> Reflect, bro. If I was Ward Prowse, I'd feel pretty disrespected right now. <laughs> Just off every time. It's the headline. It's the or West Ham. Headline. I'd be disrespected if I was West Ham. I don't Ham give too. a fuck. Uh, shit. Fuck it, West Ham. West Ham know what they are. They're shit. Um, I think they're massive, though. They do. You gotta let um, them down easy. Uh, well, no, but James Ward Prowse, what he is to me is he is. He's an above-average centre midfielder, an above-average Premier League centre midfielder, and I think that's why that these big teams weren't weren't clambering all over him because I'm not sure how well he gets on in a team that dominates the ball. If you're asking him to pick a killer pass five or six times a game, create chances, I'm not sure how well he gets on. But he helps West Ham keep the ball. He helps them use possession mm-hmm. well when they have it. He's instrumental in their counter-attacking and the amount of set pieces that this team plays for and gets, he's the perfect player for them. Yeah. No, that's totally fair. I, In my mind, I always thought he would be a very good uh, Liverpool rotation midfielder in the sense that if you want to line up with four attackers, essentially, if you've got Gagpo in, the, in that little floating midfield role, um, you know, the amount of attacking chances and corners that Liverpool win or free kicks in and around the area... I just thought he would just be a weapon. Bring someone on with half an hour to go, 20 minutes to go, get him over a dead ball, whip something of quality in. I just can't see why that wouldn't be just such a huge tick in the box for a side that's you know competing on many fronts. You think that James Ward-Prowse are going to come into a Liverpool team and take free kicks off Trent Alexander-Arnold? I would prefer him, yeah. And I would have him taking them in England as well. I mean, that's the disrespect here is that he never gets picked for England. Well, no, because... Jim I, I just, has taken him for England. Come on. 
I just, I just, I think this is where I'm when at. When he's not too busy yelling at the fans. This, this is where I'm at with James Ward-Prowse. Is he's the best dead ball taker in the in the Premier League. I think that's a given. But there's guys who are great dead ball takers, but just also better footballers. Yeah, yeah, okay. maybe. I'd, and, I'd still prefer someone that can swing a ball in better. My my favourite moment of this game was, um, anyone see Alanga rip his shirt off uh, while celebrating the equaliser? Yeah, weird. Weird, right? Equaliser was in, what, 60-odd minutes. Um, he's booked, as is tradition, fine. But I just wondered, if your team doesn't go on to win the game, should he cop like a retrospective ban for that? Because he's gone the early crow, <laughs> and it should exclusively oh, yes. be reserved for last-minute winners. Absolutely. It should have to be, there should have to be like 90 plus on the clock for you to be able to take your shirt off. Thank you. Otherwise, you Thank get you. a ban. I think he's very yeah. much just lost sense of what was going on um, in, in that moment. Um, not an equalizer, in fact, put them put them two oh, one put in, front in front in this game. Um, and also his first goal for Nottingham Forest. And he's been very close on a bunch of occasions. And I think it may may well have been a relief celebration and just an overexcitement celebration more than anything. But given it was the 63rd minute and 90 seconds later, the game was level again. He looks like a proper fuckwit. Yeah. I'm going with it's the it's the dumbest thing in the game that you can be booked for is taking Ooh. your shirt off. It's interesting. For me, it's number I, one. It's like, why do you need to take your shirt off, man? Like, did you see? Yeah, you probably are tank. You're a professional footballer. You probably are ripped. Good he is you. ripped, eh? He is. He, is he was ripped. ripped. Did you my, see? Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite stats since Mohamed Salah signed for Liverpool is that he's been booked in the time since Salah signed for Liverpool. He's been booked more times for taking his shirt off, celebrating goals against Manchester United than Manchester United have scored goals against Liverpool. <laughs> that's gold I don't mind that at all that's what should happen to Alanga if he rips his shirt off again he should be sent back to Man United as punishment yeah good stuff all right um last thing on that for me uh on the Ward Prowse stuff I put it this way I would have him over um Kai Havertz at the moment as the Granite Xhaka, <laughs> Xhaka replacement in the Arsenal team uh they're trying to get Havertz to do the Xhaka role and he's just can't right now. Um, I'd happily have Ward Prowse there doing it instead. Uh, the final game of the round, the blockbuster, the big game of the week, eight goals. Eight goals, I hear you say. Uh, Chelsea four, Man City four at the bridge. A couple of big points in the last few weeks for this Chelsea side. Are they back? What's going on? They nah, did it again. They only turn up against big teams. <laughs> They've done it again. They've... They've gotten a result against a team that they probably had no right to get a result against. Um, geez, I don't think City were. I don't think City were that great a value for a point in this game. Mm. Um, I mean, mm. some of the some of the goals mm. they've scored. Um, this the the Manuel Acuna header is a great header to start with. Um, that's that's probably that's their best goal of the game. Rodri goal, huge deflection. Very lucky mm. that it drops to that spot in, in the first place. A huge deflection. The we should ban half, deflected goals too. Let's just ban goals. the <laughs> the second The second Highland goal is it is well constructed, but he knows absolutely nothing about it. He's he's very lucky because he actually he actually gets to this first and misses the ball, and it just gets stuck in between his legs, and his momentum takes him over the line with the ball mm. stuck between his legs. Was um, it um was it his ass or is it his massive Norwegian nuts that bundled <laughs> that ball home? <laughs> we'll never know. Um, but the one. The one thing I wanted to talk about in this game is Harlan's first goal from the spot. This is not a penalty. This is mm. not a penalty if mm. we are not giving the penalty to Virgil van Dijk last week. There is fucking app. This is this is again what we've had here. And and, and Van Dyke is is the example because it's new, but this is what we spoke about last week. How often do we see attackers genuinely wrestled to the floor in the box but not given a penalty? But when there is one slight tug, one slight little obvious motion that's not necessarily enough to bring a player down, that we're giving penalties. This, to start with, Haaland is pulling Kukureya just as much as Kukureya is pulling Haaland. And then as the ball is delivered, Haaland lets go of Kukureya's shirt and Kukureya is a second behind. He's still got a hand on the shirt. Secondly, this shirt tug that is pulling Erling Haaland backwards has somehow made him fall forwards. This there is not enough contact in this in this motion to bring him to ground. Thirdly, 
he is getting absolutely fucking nowhere near this ball. And we've discussed this in recent weeks that we don't think it should matter, but we've also seen at times in this league and in other leagues that refs haven't given penalties off the basis that players weren't getting to the ball, that they weren't getting to the contest regardless of the contact. Mm. And I just I just wonder where we're at now because this this feels very soft to me. I like I've always liked the concept of if you're not getting to the ball, it doesn't really matter unless someone has like physically assaulted you, basically. Um, so that I'll take into account. For mine, this I'm getting vibes here from City that they are this era's Manchester United in that they are just being over-serviced with penalties. I think I read that they've had 14 in the last three years or something, which is just, it's like six or seven more than the next team. And I, I'm not totally against giving these as pens, but like you're saying, they have to be awarded every single time it happens. And if they are awarded every time it happens, you know, for a brief period, we're going to have three or four penalties in every game until, you know, defenders get it into their heads. They're like, shit, I can't do this anymore, which is where I prefer us to be. I would prefer us to be in an area where um, there isn't so much grappling in corner and dead ball situations or even from crosses. Um, I know, it, I know, like I've played as a defender. I know it's hard when the opposition player gets a goal side of you and you've got to do something to try and wrestle that back. Or if, you know, someone is a larger entity than you are, but you can't do it by grabbing the other player's shirt. Like, it's just, it seems very simple to me. It, you know, in the middle of the park, if someone's running and you pull on his shirt, bang, that's, it's a foul. Mm. It was a similar debate in the, um, remember the one where Zaka pulled, I think it was Rodri at the Emirates. Um, and he pulled his shirt, but he somehow fell forward. And the debate was, there's no way he's, caused him to fall forward there so it is a dive but he has fouled him because he has pulled his shirt i didn't get too many looks at it because to be honest i just saw kucherella there and thought what an idiot because he's he's shit um i just assumed he'd <laughs> been a dickhead again and given away a blatant pen uh, maybe i need to go back and have a look at it um holland though now has 49 goals in the premier league already he's like one goal away from 50 which is just ridiculous in a season and not even a third um the, the last moment, <laughs> the equalising penalty, what's going on with this slide tackle? I can't remember who it was. Um, it's in my notes here somewhere, but I've lost it. It's it's Ruben Diaz. and It's Ruben Diaz. There is, right. What has done me in is there's more talk on, on Twitter about this not being a penalty than there is about the Harlem penalty. And it's because people mm. do not like the fact that they feel like Broja has, that they feel like Broja has played for this penalty. And regardless of whether he has, this is it's this a is a, this is a a brilliant piece of football. <laughs> this is seems a like brilliant a yeah. piece of attacking football because if Broja hits this ball like most attackers would in this formation, he waited for it to drop. It came down. If he just hit this ball like he was waiting to do, it would have looked like an unbelievable block from Ruben Diaz because mm. he would have had everything that he's tried to do. But he's had the smarts, the awareness, and the vision to see that Ruben Diaz has just fully fledged, thrown himself across the penalty box and coming straight for him. And he's just hesitated. He hasn't even touched the ball again in this moment. He's just hesitated, let it come back up and let Ruben Diaz just take his standing leg out of the ground. And and I'm sorry, you cannot go to ground inside the penalty area and not get the ball. Yeah, this yeah. isn't like the ones where you, you see the player yeah. trying to initiate the contact. You know, this is, he's just... The contact is coming, so he's allowed to stand there and take it if he wants. Uh, if you're going to slide think, in like that, I think a good comparison is the the essay penalty in the Palace game, in which the defender yes dangles a leg out, but doesn't yeah. actually do anything to the footballer in the sense yeah. that he doesn't bring him down and he doesn't you know interrupt what he's trying to do. Whereas this, he has clearly interrupted what off. he's trying to do. Yeah, <laughs> he just kept flying in like an he knew straight away, didn't he? Like that's it. He was just embarrassed more than anything. He felt the guilt of the situation. Um, it has to be. It has to be a penalty. I just. I can't believe. I didn't really see any of this post game that people were talking about this not being one. But it has to be right. Has to be. Um, Chelsea find themselves up into tenth now. Um, Ooh, nosebleed. Man City hold the one point advantage over over Liverpool and Arsenal. Two points ahead of Spurs going into this. International break. I'll be honest, like in my head, it feels like City are heaps further, City are heaps further ahead. Yeah. 
But if I don't know how if, you guys feel. A... It just feels like that to me. But looking at the table, I was I was surprised to see it was only a point. Yeah. My, I'm not like a big table top, guy often. If they're top at this point of the season, they are fully ahead. Mm. Wait for their, their March-April run where they don't concede a goal. You know, yeah. well, they they come back from the international break, and and the first game in the Premier League back is Man City and Liverpool. So it's Ooh, going to be an one. interesting one to to see how the table falls. But I mean, how I'm with you, how far ahead they genuinely feel because I mean, in seasons past, we've seen Liverpool beat City and go above them, but City just they just come and and Maybe. from from everywhere and anywhere they string results together like no other team in this universe can, and and they're just too good. They've lost one more game than Liverpool and Arsenal have as well, which doesn't feel which is right. right. I'm, no. I'm looking at, I'm thinking about the Arsenal games that I've watched and their performances and their results and thinking it, it feels bad, but but it's really not. Um, eight wins, three draws and a loss, the same as Liverpool. Spurs now the eight wins, two draws, two losses. Uh, and then it drops off a bit to, uh, well, you got Villa there as well, but I don't think they're going to sustain that. And then United, so... I think those three that we've got there are probably the three that are going to continue on. Arsenal's is very much um, injury injury clouds over a lot of a lot of key players at the moment is a is a concern. Uh, but yeah, I'm hoping Liverpool can keep this this fight going and push City all the way again. That'll be great. Yeah, that'll be fun. It's good to see three up the top at the moment. Um, I had one more thing on this game. Do you guys Let's want to go, play a yeah, game? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, sure. Uh, Thiago Silva became the fourth oldest player to score in a Premier League game in this one. Mm-hmm. Can you name the three players that were older than him to score? How old is he? It's uh, a great question. I think he's 39. Okay. One is of he? One of the... Or 38. One of the guys that scored is 40 and the other two are 39. So he must be up around that. Jeez. Is there a Gareth Barry in there? Does it? No, it's not. I'm just. Does not shift no more than the Guardian football pod that I've shamelessly ripped this from because none of them could get it to the point where they had to cut it and they were like, "This is shit content." The I Guardian can get it. Players that just played for way too long, and I don't actually know if I'm just associating the comeback with him or he was old, but I'm thinking Jonas Guterres might have been one. No, he's not in this. Two of these you should get. The well, other the, is harder unless you have a the, you the one you have a really. The one player I can think of that played disgustingly too long than he should have was Ryan Giggs. Bam, I got it. At some point. Yeah, uh, that's one. Zlatan? No, nah, not Zlatan. There's an, it's a, I think Wasn't it's another man United, United striker. No. Um, well, we're talking yesteryear. Oh, Pre-Barclays um, even. Oh, what's his fucking name? Legend. England legend. Sheringham? Sheringham. Bang. And yeah, his, let's go. There we go. We're better than the Guardian pod. And yeah. who's the whole bastard that scored? Oh, the Windus. Windus. Dean Windus scored yeah. in every division. Let's go. Got him. Yes. Fucking got him. Three in three. An, uh, not in an FA Cup final, but he scored in a big game at Wembley. It I think might he have scored actually, in the playoff actually, final. Might have just been the playoff final. I'm remembering. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was the Windus. What a name. All right. Good stuff. Anything else for this week from anywhere else in the world, you guys? I just, I really wanted to highlight DeMarco's goal. If, no one's seen it yet. Um, you got to go and have a look. Yeah, people are calling for push gas nominations. Is it? I wanted to ask you, Sammy. Is this like pure imagination or fluke? Uh, I need to. I need to see it again. But yeah, um, I'll hold my thoughts on that. We'll come back and we'll do some Italy next time. But uh, we got an international break coming up, so I dare say Ooh. we won't. We won't have a green episode next week, but we'll probably have a red one. Um, we're about to go record a red one right now as well, so stay tuned for that in your feed. Adelaide uh, with a very, 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 very disappointing <laughs> 5-1 loss at home. After last week, I, I said we were going to win the league and win everything. Uh, no, the week before, I said we were going to win everything and that we were never going to lose another game. We were going to beat Ange's Spurs ball, Spurs' Ange ball, whatever. You know, it's all shit. Fuck, it's all out of window. We suck. <laughs> Stay tuned for that. Have a good week, folks. Enjoy the international break. Not too well, though, because international football sucks. (gasps) Bye. (laughs)